Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I'm excited to welcome Maggie Whitehouse to the show. What Maggie has discovered over more than a quarter of a century studying, teaching, and writing books on Kabbalah is that used as a tool for inspiration, Kabbalah is a magic loom on which we can weave our healing. And from that healing, we become an agent of healing for the world. Kabbalah tells us exactly where, when, how, and why we may be out of alignment with health, finances, and relationships and just importantly, how to realign ourselves. For Maggie, it began with a chronic lack of self-esteem, which in turn led to many a humiliation, widowhood, shark attack, failed emigration, debt, divorce, shame, misery, hatred, and what the doctors call an incurable illness, which now no longer exists. It can be summed up in a way by how the first eight aspects led to the final one and how Kabbalah taught Maggie how to heal them from finish to start. After all, incurable surely means curable from within. Welcome Maggie to the show. A few things to talk about before we get started with today's episode. If you have not subscribed to my newsletter yet, I have some exciting things coming out in the next weeks, months, unclear how long it's going to take me to get it together, but there will be some stuff coming out and I don't want you to miss it. So head on over to dramyrobbins.com and subscribe to my newsletter. And I also wanted to tell everybody about an amazing opportunity with IANS. IANS is the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and their 2020 conference is online. This year's theme is Unlocking the Healing Wisdom of NDEs, and the program is packed to the brim with fantastic speakers and experts to guide newcomers and seasoned experiencers alike through the mysterious worlds of near-death experiences, spirits, and the afterlife. This conference, again, is online via Zoom, August 14th to 16th, and you can visit IANS.org for more info. That is IANDS.org. And many of the speakers who have been on this show in the past are also members of IANS. It's an amazing organization that really promotes the work, so much of the work that I'm doing on this show in terms of bringing to light many people's spiritual experiences and spiritually transformative experiences. So head on over and check that out. And now to today's show. Oh, Dr. Amy, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for asking me. It's just lovely. I'm so flattered. What a journey you've been on. Wow. Uh, So can you... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, go ahead. A life of miracles is what I call it. A lot of them didn't feel like it at the time, but every single one, you can see how the weave, this important weave of life works to help you become wiser. So can you tell us a little bit about what is, do you say Kabbalah or Kabbalah? I don't think it really matters. I say Kabbalah, okay. but nobody okay. really knows how to pronounce these things. <laughs> So can you tell us a little bit about it? As a Jewish woman, I feel like I should probably know more about it, but I, but I don't. So I'm oh, well, excited to learn today. 
you do know that women shouldn't study it, don't you? And no men under the age of 40 should study it. That's actually quite a late development for Kabbalah. But what it is, is the observation of the patterns of the universe. It's been held very safe and developed within the Jewish nation, but it's not a Jewish thing in itself. What it is, is the observation. The universe works in patterns and Kabbalah is a way of, there's two diagrams that we use, Jacob's Ladder and the Tree of Life, and they're what stops an oral tradition becoming Chinese whispers. Because the point about Kabbalah, and see, I've, even I've pronounced it twice in one sentence in different <laughs> ways, is that it has to be an oral tradition. The mystical traditions are taught by word of mouth through question and answer and they must update for every generation. And where every religion goes wrong is it gets stuck in a time walk. It gets crystallized. And the book I wrote, I wrote it 18 months ago. It's out of date already. I hope that doesn't put you off talking to me about it, but I already know more. I know different. I know updates. So that's what really endears it to me is that you learn, you grow, you discuss, you observe more, you relate with other people. I'm sure I'm going to learn something from you tonight. And I've certainly learned a fair amount from the podcast that you lead that I've listened to already. And I just love that. I love the fact that it's a perennial tradition. It's a way of holding safe the, the fundamental truths of creation and getting back to them every time. And this is a time that we're living in, these crazy times. We need to go back to the truth and beauty that underpins all creation. So when you say, when you said at the beginning about women not studying it and people under 40 not studying it, that's sort of the tradition of it. But obviously that has shifted over time. Well, time some people shifted. would say so, but some people would not. If you look at my YouTube videos, there's still plenty of people saying this woman cannot teach it. She is not Jewish. Women can't teach it. Uh, but that that was put in place after a, a distressing time in the Jewish history where they had what they called a false messiah, Zabati Zvei, who was teaching Kabbalah. And to keep people safe from that, they said, no, 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 we have to restrict it now. And this, of course, happens a lot. And you'll know perfectly well, a lot of spirituality is suspect a lot of religion is suspect but there's also these beautiful kernels that we have to return to every time and build on i think kabbalah is truly out of the bag the cat is out of the bag now we're out of the closet it's not going back in anymore and i'm really proud to be one of the women now teaching it because there's really a lot of mystery around it and i know in the book that you talk about the Jacob's Ladder, the Tree of Life, but you also talk about the four relationships. Can you can you speak to those and maybe give some examples for my listeners? Because I love the examples you gave in the book about how you can connect to each of those different pieces. I'll do my best. I wish I got the book now. <laughs> um, well, Kabbalah teaches there are four worlds, four basic elements. Of course, science knows there's a lot more than that. But in the ancient days, and this is based in teaching from the ancient days, pre-biblical, if you like, that they had four elements of fire, air, water, and earth. And everything develops from those. And the idea is that the divine is the fire, spirit is air, uh, the psyche, the the formation of things, the way we flow our words and our images is the world of water. 
And working with those three worlds is what creates the physical manifestation. And Kabbalah teaches that the divine is the whole of creation is God having a baby, in effect. And God is the fire that breathes out the air that becomes the water, that becomes the earth. And we humans, apparently, are the only species that we know of. Of course, we don't know what's on other planets throughout the universe, but on this planet, we're the only species that we know of that is in touch with all four worlds, in that we are creative creatures, children of the creator. So we have that creative fire, that spiritual desire, and that watery ability to affect our lives through our emotions and the ability to manifest. So how can we get in touch or connect with each of those pieces? Because one of the things I was reading is in your book, you were talking about God and the divine. And what if you don't, what if you're not a believer in God? Is that sort of a premise that you have to adopt? If you're going to be a Kabbalist, you have to be at least an agnostic, yes, because it all comes back to the idea that we are children of the creator and we're part of the process. um, I suppose you could be a Kabbalist atheist, but I've never heard of one. And I think it would be quite challenging. And I don't, by the way, I don't have the slightest problem with atheism. That terrible phrase, some of my best friends are atheists, but I find that atheists can be the most spiritual, honest, good people much better than a lot of the religious folk because genuine atheists know that there's nothing coming to help them, so they have to do the good for themselves. Whereas mm. uh, for us as um, believing Kabbalists, what we have to do to be in touch with the divine is basically to go into contemplation, to listen, to raise our energy up, just like anybody in any other spiritual tradition would, to up to the crown chakra, which is what we call Keta, the crown. The crown is the same word. And that's the, the point of jumping off, if you like, into the divine world. And what it, it's really helped me to do is to understand that despite Kabbalah being very associated with Judaism and quite a lot with Christianity, a lot of Christian mysticism like Rosicrucianism was based on Kabbalah. Uh, What it really has helped me to do is understand that when you go into the space of contemplation and lift your energy to that, there is no religion, there is no separation. The whole of creation at that level is working at one. And it helps you also to understand the nature of your soul. And once you understand the nature of your soul, uh, your soul is the perennial, eternal part of you. So it's the part of you that knows already how to be in contact with higher worlds and higher sources and the divine itself. And Kabbalah teaches that you can tell the timbre of your soul through astrology. Uh, For example, my moon, which in Kabbalah is the ego, and my ascendant, which is the physical body, are both water signs. They're Scorpio and Cancer. So when I'm in my lower self, I'm very emotional, and Mm -hmm. I have to have very strong boundaries. But my soul is made up of the star signs Taurus, Aquarius, and Leo, which are Earth, air and fire. So when I'm in my soul, I can actually seem very detached, but it's the most comfortable and pure place for me to relate to the divine. Does that answer it in any way, shape or form? Yeah, yeah. And I think clarifies some things when I was, for me, when I was reading the book. So the way to connect with God divine, and when you when we say God, it could be source, it could oh, be yes. universe, it could be spirit. It doesn't have to be God in a. I think people think God 
equals religion versus spirituality and source or spirit or universe or higher power feels more spiritual. It it does, yes. One of the issues that we have with our relationship with the divine is all the rubbish and corruption and bias and control that religions have put upon it. And part of my journey of healing was actually to get through that so I didn't have the problem with the word. But yes, there were many, many years when I could only call it source or the light. And I now can call it God because I am ordained into a branch of the Christian tradition. And the Christian tradition tends to call it God. So I'm I'm quite comfortable with it, but I'm perfectly okay when people aren't and want to call it something else. And also this idea of the gender of the divine. Um, There is no gender. The divine is way beyond any gender. Uh, Some people want to call it she, some people want to call it he. A lot of people find it disrespectful. So we're trying to find, it's like with all the uh, gender issues that we're dealing with at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Because we're children of the creator. And I truly believe what Caroline Mace, that wonderful spiritual teacher is saying, is that at the moment, the spell of the patriarchy which has been supported by women, don't get me wrong about that, which is three or 4,000 years old, is now cracking. And that's probably one of the reasons why the gender issues are becoming to the fore, because humanity, as children of the creator, is demonstrating by being born and be speaking out about the fact that the patriarchy is dying. It's Mm. time to be much more gender fluid because the divine is gender fluid. So Mm. if we're to grow at all, we have to understand these issues. We also have to understand that black lives do matter. We have to understand that we have to do a lot, a lot of work. Uh, Kabbalah is very useful when you get into despair about the the state of the world because the tradition that I study teaches that humanity as a species is approximately two years old. We're at the state of breaking our toys Seems and about having right. tantrum. It does, doesn't it? Some people think we're teenagers, and that's got a very valid point, too. Well, but teenagers and toddlers aren't that different. That, that's a valid point, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we're very young, and it's sort of heartening to realize that this is a huge plan. We're taught that every cell, every living being, is one cell in the body of a baby that is growing in the uterus of the divine. And when it's perfected, when every being has perfected, that child will be born. And then goodness knows what happens to the universe. But the universe is still expanding and we're a long way off perfection. We really are. And so, okay, so we have the divine and we have contemplation, meditation. And then can you speak to the the spirit which is spirit is fire, right? No, spirit is divinity. No, sorry. D- oh. the, di- the divine is fire. Spirit, which is the archangels and the law of attraction. And it is the bridging point. It's the air between the fire and the water. Humanity is basically the water aspect because we are so locked into our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions. And the idea is that the diagram gets us to float on that water with our souls so that we're fed by spirit, fueled by the divine. So we can ride on the waters of the emotions and don't get subsumed by them. So how do we connect with the the air, the spirit piece? Again, we just... we are spirit. 
We are spirit. We are, we are these four levels. And the way I connect with spirit is the same way I connect with the divine. I will just go into contemplation or I will just consciously raise my energy up to the crown chakra because this is where it gets complicated. In Kabbalah, each of the sephirot, these are the spheres on the tree of life. In the four worlds, there are points where they interconnect. So spirit interconnects with water and spirit also interconnects with fire. And each of these four worlds melds with each other. So if you're going up to connect with the divine, you are already going through spirit to the divine. So when you're connecting with spirit through the water, you will get images in meditation and contemplation because you're still watery. Whereas if you're going to talk directly with the divine, it's just sensations and hearing rather mm -hmm. than sight. So we're kind of talking about the clairs, like the, Claire cognizance seems like more connected with the divine, perhaps like that you it's that what yes. I call like soul wisdom or soul knowing. Yes, I would. I think that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the wonderful thing about Kabbalah. It connects with every single tradition. It works with every tradition and every good spiritual teaching and tarot is a uh, associated with Kabbalah, astrology, as I've mentioned, human design, nearly everything, because it's a perennial truth, and the perennial truths fit each other. And if you get mystics from any faith in a room together, they'll just chat. They'll be fine. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the reality is the core at all of these things. I think about it a lot in psychology, too. It's like, you know, everything's sort of birthed out of Freud, but when you look at it all and break it all down, it all kind of comes back in a lot of ways to what he was saying. Just people say things different ways. And that's the beauty of it is if different people can learn it or hear it different ways, who cares? Oh, yes. And words are spells, aren't they? Words mm -hmm. are incredibly powerful. We're looking at with the Black Lives Matter at the moment. Somebody brought up the, the phrase master bedroom. Right. And if you think about that master bedroom, it's both patriarchal and it's hierarchical, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's just the biggest bedroom, basically. Right. Generally right. the one with the ensuite. But we've called right. it master's bedroom. And that, that subtly still goes in. So words are spells. And I do a podcast with our local witch. I call her a shaman, but she prefers to call herself a witch, Susie Crockford, who also lives on Dartmoor in Devon, which is a very wild part of Britain. It's what we call the bones of the land because there's so much mm. rock sticking up. And part of our discussions are all about how we use different language to either communicate or misunderstand each other and mm -hmm. we had a whole discussion recently on I talked about burying our beloved dog who died recently and the prayer I did with the burial of Callie's body was holy mother I give you my greatest possession to give back the energy to the earth that it may feed others but Susie quite rightly pulled me up on the phrase possession hmm. because the dog was not my possession mm -hmm. but that's the word that I was using and Kabbalah teaches us about how we have this wiring in part of our watery world, which is the phrases and trainings that we're taught up to the age of seven, which stay in our psyches forever unless we train them out again. And all these beliefs and traditions that are taught into us, things like, for example, the idea of original sin in Christianity, which was only formalized in the 12th century. It's unknown to Judaism. 
Jesus had no concept of original sin. So how could he have come to save us from it? And you look at that, and most people who are Christians would just go, no, 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 original sin is so, is so, is so, is so, because it's locked in, in the mm-hmm. wording and the teaching. And that's the joy of something like Kabbalah for me, because it can go down and dirty into the religion, religion and say, okay, where do we look at the beginning of this? Where is the original story? How do we look at the spaces between the words in the original text because Mm. in an oral tradition it's like music music is just a cacophony unless you've got the spaces right between the notes so i would say that that's what i do i look for the spaces between the words well thank you for my 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 podcast plug right the space between right there's so many spaces between and it's in those spaces that i believe that that's where like the that's really where the magic happens is absolutely you know you have to honor those spaces i was doing a meditation the other day and that was something that came up in the meditation was you know start to create the space between the thoughts that's like that magic sweet spot when you notice that you're, you know, when you, when you notice that you haven't had a thought, even though that's then a thought of noticing you haven't had a thought, it's like that, that's moment. And it could be, it's usually so fleeting, but it's this beautiful moment of like peace. Oh, isn't it gorgeous? Yes. And it's wonderful when you get there and it's just this utter joy, absolute joy. And then you go, oh, I'm there. And then, right. think, and then oh, you're damn. like, I'm not there anymore. Right? <laughs> it gets easier to get back there. But every single time, as soon as you notice it, you've gone down a notch, as it were. So in, in the book, there was one suggestion of connecting. And I forget what it was to. It must have been to, is there a connection to earth or connection to fire, air, water? And earth, yes. And earth. So it must have been earth where you recommended laying it and looking up at the stars. Yes. I did quite a lot of that when I was ill. I had follicular non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is medically incurable. It's dealable with, it's treatable with chemo until the chemo destroys you. But it's deemed to be incurable. And during the time when I was doing the work I really, really, really needed to do to get through this, I couldn't sleep a lot and I would go out at night and I would lie naked on the ground. I'd cover myself with a duvet, just my naked body would be on the ground for the free radicals and for the connection. And I would just lie there and get lost in the stars. And it makes you realize, I'm sure you've, you've done it. I'm sure everybody listening has done it at least once. You know, I gotta be honest. The first time I did it, like really did it with a purpose was last week because there was a comet. Did you know there was mm-hmm. this comet? We saw it. We still yes. And so I was. I said to my daughter and my husband, I was like, "Let's go look for it." And we sat outside and laid on the ground and looked at the sky. I mean, this it's so remarkable, isn't it? And just simultaneously, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Simultaneously, no. it makes you feel so small and so integrated. Hmm. It's unbelievable. It's just the most, I don't know. It's just like you do. You're looking up at this this vastness that's I'm, endless. And conceptually, you know, I think it's it's so similar, I think, to what, what I talk about on the show is like, is there, there are no words to really put to it. It's just unbelievable. 
It is. And do you know something? Did you notice it's looking back at you? The sky, the stars are looking back at you. You can't see it very easily unless you have a telescope to start with and you look at one of the planets. First time I saw Saturn through a telescope, I, it, the archangel of Saturn was looking back at me because each planet and each star is a living being as well as a rock or a, they, a load of floating that. Are they shaking their heads at us going? <laughs> they know we're very young. <laughs> what is going on with you people down there, <laughs> over there, wherever it is? Well, with any luck, some of them are looking at each other and say, well, that's really not quite as bad as what happened on Be- around Beetlejuice in 17 centuries ago. I don't know. <laughs> Let's hope that. But the wonderful thing about Kabbalah is it teaches that there is radical grace and this is also in mystical Christianity, that the grace of the divine is always mercy, love, healing, always. And actually that's in the Book of Prophets as well. If you, if you read the Bible in the original languages, I'm not very good at it, I've got computer software, you'll see that every time we go horribly wrong and make stupid decisions, and in in the, in the Old Testament, it's Yahweh, which is the law, the God that actually is the aspect of the law, the law of karma, the law of cause and effect. The Elohim, which is the creatrix of the earth, is the feminine, and she's the merciful aspect, the one at the channel of grace. And if you look at the stories, it's fascinating who, which aspect of God is the one that's working in them. And you can't understand the Old Testament, really, until you know which aspect of God is working. Yahweh is always saying, if you do this, that will happen. So don't do it. And humanity always goes along and does it. And God does the basic the um, aspect of, oh, guys, oh, Han, mm-hmm. oh, no, you really, really blew it. God, I'm so mad at you. And then about five paragraphs later, I'm going to love you through this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love you more. And we miss that. We don't get that in the church readings because they were formulated by so many people who wanted us to, be sorry for what we've done. And if you think about it, the word metanoia, which is translated as repent, which always means be sorry for what you've done, actually means think anew. It just mm. means think again, rethink this. It's not working, rethink it. And once you know stuff like that, the whole, the whole thing just sparks alive and you understand that the angels are all the way through the Testaments in the spaces between the words. So can you um, touch on the four negative levels of karma that you talk about in the book? Oh, these came from a a wonderful American man called Daniel J. Benor, who founded something called the Dr. Healer Network. He's a medical doctor, but he wanted to work more with healers. And he's Jewish, and he taught me that the four levels of karma are pencil on paper, which is when you do something which was foolish or misguided, but can be rubbed out with a rubber, with an eraser. Sorry, I think a rubber in America means something very different from in the United Kingdom with an eraser so that you won't necessarily see a remark. So if I said to you, Dr. Amy, you look like a purple pig. And then I said, I'm so sorry. I really didn't mean that. And you probably go, oh, it's okay," And you wouldn't feel bad about it because calling you a purple pig is so patently ridiculous because you're not purple and you're not a pig. But if I said something along the next lines of, of, ink on paper. That would be if I insulted you in a way that could damage 
your self-esteem or any mm. aspect of you or would damage our relationship and could not be erased without leaving some mark on the paper. Mm-hmm. So that's the second level of karma. Both the first and second levels can be dealt with perfectly simply in one life. The third level of karma is chisel on stone, which is when you have made a mark on yours or somebody else's life that cannot be erased in this incarnation. And the fourth one is blood in stone. And that is the level of evil, which means that you are seriously going to have to rethink a lot of stuff. And when you get back upstairs, you're probably going to be in the hospital section for a very, very long time until you're capable of seeing what you did and willing to make the recompense, which is, which is, required for you to go up to the next level of the heavens we're taught that there are levels of the heavens and when you die you can stay in one level you don't have to reincarnate but if you are going to reincarnate you're going to have to come down with the equivalent of a credit card bill and you've got good karma we must never forget good karma good karma is just as valid as bad karma but I always say it's a bit like credit cards. Sometimes you will choose a life or you'll come down for a life where you pay off a bit of your credit card. And sometimes you come down when you pay off the whole lot in one. And the people who do that, who are the people who go through very, very difficult lives, deserve our utmost respect for bravery. And I will mm. teach that again and again and again. When you see somebody disadvantaged, it is absolutely your privilege and duty to do what you can to help because these are folk who've come down deliberately to teach the rest of us to be kind. Hmm. I love that. Thank it's a you. lot to take in and all of that. I mean, I just think about like the, the pencil and paper, the ink on paper karma when you were talking that we do to ourselves. Oh, all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. And we, we learn things from our parents that go in so easily up to the age of seven. The Jesuits had a phrase, give me a child till he's seven and I will give you the man because mm -hmm. the ego is fully formed by the age of seven. So we just reinfect ourselves until we can learn differently. So what started off as pencil on paper becomes ink on paper and then even could become stone, mm -hmm. chisel in stone. But in the end, we end up doing it to ourselves because we don't know any better. And I spent the first 32 years of my life doing exactly that, just revisiting the same old stories again and again and again because I couldn't learn from them. So we just have a few minutes left, but can you tell us how you believe you cured your own cancer? I have absolutely no idea, but I'll tell you the processes I went through. I went through, uh, I went into uh, shamanistic aspects of myself. I went to see a shaman to go into the, the ground and into my spirit to see where, what aspects of my soul had become damaged in this lifetime and whether we could retrieve them. I did all the physical stuff of uh, eating healthy, ate keto, ate vegan at some point, but I had a form of cancer that can eat vegetables, which was most annoying, so that wasn't going to work. Mm. And I also went on a pilgrimage to study with one of my heroes, Father Richard Roy in Albuquerque, and at the time I was so ill, I could only walk about 100 feet in total, and I got a little pull-along suitcase, took the plane to JFK, slept on the floor overnight, took another plane to Fort Worth, then put a plane to Albuquerque and studied with him. And I think part of the healing was that pilgrimage of saying, I choose life. I had to deal with an all sorts of stuff about um, 
I was actually ostracized by a Kabbalah group I was in because I was female and because they thought I was stealing the work. And that was a misunderstanding that came from a lack of self-esteem and I was partially responsible for it, for sure. So there was a lot of pain, a lot of grief, a lot of suffering. And basically, cancer always carries some aspect of a death wish. So mm -hmm. it was about learning to love life again so that I could learn to wake up and not just go, oh, God, no, another day, but good morning, life. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of um, discipline and a lot of going back to spiritual work that I started off with and then dumped because I felt a bit better. And that's so easy to do, isn't it? Yeah. And getting into the discipline of everyday contemplation and meditation. So I had a lot of people helping me. I had homeopathy. I had herbal help. I had medical help. But ultimately, I think the turning point was saying, I'm going on this meditation. I'm going on this pilgrimage. I'm going to do the journey because that's what life's about. And what do you say to people who say, like, I have cancer and I don't have a wish to die? That's, I, I don't believe that. Um, well, I always say you may very well be right. I can only tell you my story. But I would also, if they want to, help them to look into aspects of them in their unconscious that they don't know about. Mm -hmm. Because my death wish was in the unconscious. I had no idea. Yeah, Absolutely no idea. Right. Well, not always is, but oftentimes. Often. Well, in my case, it right. was. But no, quite for some people, it is quite conscious. And mm -hmm. also for some people... I mean, we've got to die of something. We are mortal beings. Eventually, we will drop off this mortal coil. And sometimes um, a cancer is, is part of that process. And we must never make it wrong when people die. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't die. I will die. I probably won't want to die when I do die. But I do think it's going to be a wonderful adventure. <laughs> I agree with you. Because, oh, yeah. You. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that. Well, thank you, Maggie, so much. This was such an enlightening conversation. Where can people find you? Where can they find your book? Tell us that in case they want to follow up. Thank you. Well, I'm Maggie Whitehouse, Maggie with a Y. Apparently it's Mandarin Chinese for Rose rather than short for Margaret, but you can't ask my father anymore because he's <laughs> in the higher worlds. But it's M-A-G-G-Y-Whitehouse.com is my website. Just Google me. Um, you'll find everything there. And I have got this podcast with Susie Crockford called Wise Women, the Vicar and the Witch. And we love doing it because we're coming from opposite ends of the spectrum and meeting in the middle. And that, I think, is what life is all about. And your book is called Kabbalah and Healing. Kabbalah and Healing. I'm, I'm Kabbalah, Kabbalah, Kabbalah and Healing. <laughs> Whatever. And I'll put links to all of it in my newsletter. If people don't get my newsletter yet, um, sign up at dramyrobbins.com and you can link to my newsletter. And in that, I'll have you know your information as well. So thank and you so much. You're so welcome. And everybody, you're already listening to Dr. Amy, but if you, this is the first time you've listened to Dr. Amy, listen to the rest of her podcast because she is brilliant. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that plug. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.